We've all experienced what it's like to hear a powerful story that moves us towards saying yes in business. But the fact is, most stories just kind of fall flat. Why is that? I've spent 40 years of my life learning why, learning how to do it well, and helping others to do it for themselves. And that's why I created the Power Story Worksheet. It contains the exact steps I and my clients use for strategically crafted communication in the business moments that bring clients, business opportunities, partnerships, referrals, loyalty, and human understanding. And here's the thing, once you build your own power stories, you can use them anywhere, over and over, in your presentations, webinars, pitches, books, speeches, media appearances, website content, sales and marketing content, internal communications, and important one-on-one -on -one conversations. Because the thing is, anyone can write an email or tell a random story, but it takes guidance to craft a story-driven message for the business moments that truly matter. To get your free copy of my Power Story Worksheet, go to storygreenlight.com slash power story. That's storygreenlight.com slash power story. Coming up on Story Greenlight, what is the connection between facilitating 18 billion views on YouTube and raising a flock of chickens in your backyard? And what does raising chickens have to do at all with content creation? Turns out, the connection's kind of a big deal for anyone who wants to succeed on YouTube, and you'll hear all about it from my guests today. When you look up YouTube consultant on Google, Tim Schmoyer's company, Video Creators, will literally be the first result that you see after paid ads. And there's a reason for that. Tim and his team have facilitated over 18 billion with a B views for their clients, delivering world-class YouTube strategy for individual YouTube creators, small businesses, and high-end clients, including Disney, Warner Brothers, eBay, Budweiser, and Century 21. Tim has literally taught YouTube to YouTube employees, and he's built a seven-figure business that exists to help its clients spread their message and to change people's lives. Tim and his wife, Dana, live with their seven children in Cincinnati, Ohio, and yes, they do have a flock of chickens in their backyard. More about that in a second. Welcome to the Story Greenlight Podcast, where we're all about empowering creators like you to tell your stories, connect with your audience, and create the impact that you were put on this planet to make. My name is Jeff Barch. I'm a coach, author, and entrepreneur with over 20 years of experience shaping content for ABC, NBC, Universal, Disney, Apple, and many others. My team and I support YouTube creators with followings from the hundreds to the many millions. At Story Greenlight, we believe that you matter, your message matters, and the world needs to hear what you have to say. Tim Schmoyer, the one and only, Actually, no, we've, we've been through this before, yeah, haven't we? Been, not the one and only. <laughs> not the one but, and only. Uh, yes. How many Tim Schmoyers are there? I Just am review. Facebook friends with a few, but I know one of them personally. We went to college together. We were both in the same program, graduated together, both dated girls named Rachel. His girlfriend was writing me letters for a little while, which oh, is kind dude. of weird. Um, <laughs> we got grades mixed up, papers mixed up, scholarships mixed up. It was a fun time. And, wow. Uh, yeah. And so we still follow each other online and comment on each other's stuff, but yeah. Very cool. And at this point, uh, the, the, the big, the big news is that, uh, both you and I are in the same part of the country. Now, my family has left California thanks to COVID life. And, uh, my client work continues remotely for companies back in LA. And, uh, mm -hmm. you are here in the Cincinnati area 
and I'm up on the northern part of the state in Cleveland, and yeah. it is cold this morning. And the thing that I wanted to ask you is, you have chickens. What do chickens <laughs> yeah. do when they, when it's this cold? So there's different, it depends on who you ask. And it also kind of depends on what breed chicken you have. And it also depends on how cold you mean by cold. Like a Californian from LA <laughs> probably thinks 50 degrees is cold, right? It, it, so, it was below freezing this morning, this morning, dude. Yeah, it was in the 20s this morning. Yeah. So um, most chickens are hardy enough where 20 degrees isn't a big deal to them. Uh, if they really get cold, they just huddle together and it's not a, it's not a big deal. The main thing is you just got to block wind from them and they're usually okay. Now, if you get pretty cold, you can put some heat in there, but... From what I hear from other friends who are smarter than me with this stuff, it's like, even when it gets below zero, the chicken, like they put heat sources in the coops and the chickens like just stay away from it. They don't even care. Really? So yeah, they're pretty, they're, but it, again, it depends on the breed you have. Some are more cold hardy than others, but um, so our chickens, like we don't, we don't supplement their heat and they have their coop and they seem to be perfectly fine. Nice. So yeah. how, how are you feeling? Low maintenance. How are you feeling with your, uh, I mean, you've been getting into the homesteading thing over the last, would you say two years at this point? Uh, year? Yeah, probably about two years. Yeah. Right. Where, where, thing, where do things stand for you as far as that goes? How, how are you feeling as a homesteader? Yeah, we like it. It's, it's I think um, what I really like about it is that, and this has kind of like been a theme through my life. It's kind of like my secret sauce skill, I guess. Um, if you want to put it that way is like, I like seeing like, I want this thing and it's a really big, hard thing to get. How do I put together a system that makes it really easy for me to get this thing reproducibly every single time? And so I've applied that in my life to uh, like the U YouTube world, YouTube algorithm. How do you, you know, our, 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 our agency can take responsibility for 18 billion views with our clients on YouTube. Now I apply it to video gaming, like prior to YouTube, um, I was ranked globally in the world for a game called Guild Wars, where it was like this much damage and this amount of time with this rune and this armor and this weapon and this environment, blah, blah, blah. It's like a big algorithm. Lots of math that happens like really fast, right? Wow. And then out comes victory, right? Um, piano or music as, you're, as you have that background. Like mm -hmm. you learn the music theory system and then you can... You need to learn a few things for different contexts, like a guitar versus violin versus piano, but music works the same way on all those instruments. So once you understand the system, you can tweak it to the context and get that thing. So, um, and blogging and world too, and um, all, all that kind of stuff. So when it comes to homesteading, it just falls right into that same category of, we want um, really fresh, good, healthy, organic food from our, that we wrote, that we raise and grow ourselves. So what's, but I don't want to do all the work of like weeding and tilling. And I don't want to do all the work of like trying to keep the soil nutrient rich. And I don't want to um, do, do all of that. And so we put together the system based on other people's like, so you get the chickens, the chickens go on the garden during the fall and the winter, they eat all the weeds and scratch and till all the ground and they're fertilizing it with their manure right? They're mixing the carbon or their nitrogen with the carbon of the wood chips we're also putting on the garden. Our soil right now, like is so spongy. I know no one else freaks out about it. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just going to get all nerdy. When you step on it, it, like your foot sinks like several inches into it, not in a muddy way. It's not like sticky mud. It's like that soft, like that amazing. Like it's just dark 
brown. Like you, you, it's almost black. Wow. So anyway, but we worked really hard to get it that way. And we didn't work really hard. The chickens worked really hard to get it that way. And then all we do <laughs> is we come, we just plant the seed. We take the chickens off. It's all ready to go. We don't have to till it. We don't have to do anything to it. We just plant the, the seeds, put some wood chips in between the rows to keep weeds from growing there. And then that also becomes more carbon for the chickens to put their nitrogen on in the, in the winter. And so it's just like this good system. We just get like most amazing tasting fruits and vegetables that, that, and now we have fruit trees and fruit bushes and grapevines and stuff too. Then it just tastes, there's no way grocery store compete. It like grocery store strawberries taste like bland. Yeah. It's just that just I can pick it, eat it. And it's just like candy. It's just amazing. That I can say one of, one of the times our, our family lived in Omaha and there, there is a uh, produce farm outside Omaha and uh, in, in Bellevue, Nebraska, the Bellevue Berry Farm. And I remember going to that place as a kid and we would just pick strawberries by the box. It's so different yeah, so, than the store. Uh, just the real thing, for sure. And our family, it was good for us because um, from a relational standpoint, we were all, when, when, the, when we did have to do something with like moving the chickens or moving the coop or something, or planting the seeds, it was like a, as a relational thing we were doing together. We're teaching our kids. But then the best part was actually when it was time to like the, our kids for whenever they wanted a snack would just run out to the garden and grab some strawberries, pop some cherry tomatoes, um, some sugar snap peas or like whatever they want. And they would just go out to the garden and our whole family, like I would be between calls or something. And we'd just be out there just talking, picking stuff, eating it and letting the, the stuff that's not quite ripe continue to grow. And yeah, it's like the whole family just kind of having a snack out in the garden together. It was really good. That so. is so cool. I would say probably the majority of people at Story Greenlight are here because they either heard about Story Greenlight from you or they're very familiar with you. And so because of that, you know, you're, you're giving us a little bit of a snapshot of what your story's like right now. I'm just going to go ahead and do a, a basic recap of your early story. So you, so then I'm going to dump you off and in, into saying, Hey, pick up, pick up from this point here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, and you're don't undersell yourself, right? Like you're doing good work here and you're growing your own audience. And so I don't presume that all these people know who I am. So well, like it's uh yeah. Give yourself some credit for what you're building too. I think I appreciate the sentiment though, but yeah, I'm happy to introduce myself to anyone who doesn't know who I am. So for people who haven't heard Tim's early backstory, you'll know that he's always had a heart for serving others. And he started out doing that as a youth pastor, as he, and, and, and so it's just, just jump in at any point if I'm, if I'm wrong. No, I kind of want to hear what you say. <laughs> so uh, here's, here's youth Hopefully pastor. Hopefully your version Tim, will be better than mine. And uh, he's, and, and he met this gal that he ended up dating and there was cross country family. And so as he was dating this gal who he ended up marrying, uh, they started putting videos up on the internet on this platform called YouTube, just so people could stay in touch with each other. And after a while, more people started watching his personal videos, which at first was creepy, but then he thought, wow, this could actually be really kind of cool. Turns out other people wanted to learn how to do what he did. You got to a point where you were doing this more and more, and you were doing this for your job. Your job let you go or downsized or th that job ended. I, I was fired. Yeah. Okay. So that happened. And that was kind of your point of no return to saying, okay, it's time to jump into this and make this happen. And that's how video creators started. Yes. 
yeah, you got the general gist of it. That's yeah, that's pretty much it. There's some other things in there that happen, of course, but yeah, that's the, you got it. Good job. So as you go on from there, if anyone, if anyone looks you up on Google at this point, literally you are the first, your name comes up as the number one result on Google after ads. When you say YouTube consultant, I checked that out yesterday. And oh, uh, was that number one or number two or number th- three? You were, you were the number one slot. So, number one. Yes. That, we had a, we had a little dip. We went down to like uh, average ver- uh, position 2.7. Cause I changed the headline yeah. of my, of my page to something I thought was better, but turns out the data proved me wrong. And I quickly switched it back. <laughs> well, there you go. But I didn't switch it back. I, I'm trying a new version of it right now. We're just trying to make it clear for to attract the right person, not just a lot of people. So you have, uh, you, you know, you got to a point where you established yourself as one of the OG, one of the one of the original YouTube teachers, how to succeed on YouTube. And you've literally taught at YouTube about here's how to lay this stuff out and helped YouTube itself and. There was a point where you were feeling a bit of a change coming. You were bored out of your mind making videos about here's how to get more views. Here's how to get more subscribers. What? So, so that, that's where I'm going to let you take over your story. I will stop telling your story. <laughs> so when, when you You're get the to a storyteller, I like how you're telling it. <laughs> well, you get to a point where people would think you've arrived, I've arrived. What happened? from that point and how are things changing and uh, how did you end up pivoting from there to where, what you're doing now? So a couple of different situations, I guess one um, in the early days of YouTube when, when Google first bought them uh, there wasn't anyone at YouTube who really fully understood how YouTube worked from a high level. Everyone was really siloed. And um, so in the early days they would contract me to come teach their employees how YouTube works, you know, and, wow. and, uh, that eventually, you know, Google's really good at systems. And so they got better systems in place, but in the beginning, they just like, who understands us at a high level. And that's where I, that's where I came in. And then I did end up speaking in front of some of their advertising, um, events that, that YouTube does for their, you know, Levi's and Walmart and, um, McDonald's and like they're, they're, you know, the big brands, they would bring me out and speak about YouTube to at those events. And so those, those were fun. Um, so the question is like, well, how have we pivoted and how, what's the story been like since then in terms of like, this well, is how we got to where we are now? Well, so you, you get to a point where there are no longer just a handful of people talking about here's how to succeed on YouTube. The field gets crowded. And how, and how do you react to that? Yeah. Um, it feels like this is a, you know how you have like the actual temperature outside then you have like the feels like temperature. Yeah. I don't know what the actual thing that's going on, but the feels like to me is that there's like a new self-proclaimed YouTube expert popping up every week. Someone who comes out with another online course about how to do this thing or that thing on YouTube. And from my perspective of being, having done this for over a decade, and having worked with literally over 4,000, like directly, not through my channel, but directly having worked with over 4,000 creators and doing strategy with them and things that I look at what they're saying and I'm like, I know why you think that, 
but that's not how it works, you know, <laughs> or I know, and I don't mean this as any disrespect to anybody, but the, some of them are like, Hey, I did this. Here's how I grew my channel. Take this course. I'm like that process literally only works for you because of this unique thing that you have, but that process is not reproducible for other people. Right. So, um, and I don't, again, not trying to downplay, it's just kind of like what happened to me as I was like, really, I got to compete with that person now too. And I just didn't really want to keep competing like that. And two, I was also kind of just getting a little bored of talking about it over and over and over again. And so I decided to pivot and go more towards the agency route and be like, I want to actually work with people, not just sell them information that they feel good about. Because when I work with someone, it like it has to work, especially when if it's like someone's livelihood is mm-hmm. on the line. Like it can't be just some good ideas that we'll test and see what happens. Like it has to actually be proven to work and work well every single time. And so when I, so I want the agency direction just because uh, it's a higher barrier of entry for competitors. And two, if most of them went that direction, they wouldn't last very long because their process won't work on, at a scalable level for people in different contexts and situations and things. So I know that sounds really arrogant, but I just was like, how do I, where's the, where's the blue ocean here? This is feeling a little bit red. If you're familiar with the red ocean, blue ocean analogy. I am familiar with it on the surface, but for listeners who yeah, aren't. Basically there's a lot of sharks swimming in this water now and there's a lot of blood in the water and we're all just kind of trying to eat the same thing and there's a lot of competition for the for the same same thing but a blue ocean's like i'm there by myself like it's just me and no one else there's like no competition and there are very few uh there are youtube agencies out there but it's a significantly bluer ocean and it's even more significant when you look at the results that they're getting so i'm i'm uh i i want to play in that realm and so we've kind of positioned ourselves we're, we're doing more client work and we now feel confident enough that, you know, we've proven ourselves enough that we now tell our clients like, hey, if you work for us with us for three months and you follow the process we give you and you don't hit this goal you want by the end of three months, we will work with you for free until you get there. And I've not wow. once ever had to deliver on that. <laughs> that <laughs> so is amazing. Either they don't do the work or they do it and get the results and then they want to renew and keep going. So it's not a super scalable business model because it's, it's limited by human capacity, mm-hmm. but I do like it from the perspective of, I like building relationships with people. It's actually part of our, is our mission. It's like, it's not just, it's not just providing expertise. That's what people pay us for, but it's mm-hmm. expertise and authentic relationships that equip people to grow their business. And if and you're not seeing this, if you're not lives. seeing this in video, uh, Tim's standing in front of his wall in his studio and he has has the mission and their vision. Yeah, it's right next to me. I see it every day along with our core values and all this stuff. But yeah, so it it doesn't scale as well as selling an online course, but we find more fulfillment in it uh, because we get to work with people and build relationships with them. And we just like that. Well, and I'll tell you, the... the, the thread from talking about chickens and gardens <laughs> and talking about getting results on YouTube, that 
that is not a coincidence because, I mean, you said it yourself at the very beginning, the idea of having a system, a reproducible system. Mm -hmm. And it's always a challenge when you're talking about people who are doing creative work and they think I'm doing this creating thing. I am, I'm creating content. And then when you say well, you have to add systems to it, there's a lot of yeah. pushback to that. How, yeah. how have you yeah. dealt with that when you talk to people, when you say you have to we build more systems? Really, we don't try to systematize people's creativity. Although mm. now that you say that, I would, that sounds really fun. <laughs> like if you could systematize Uh-oh. creativity. Tim goes off on another rabbit trail. Where it's actually still feels creative and, but also gets results every time. Like, okay. Yeah. I, I go there. Um, what we've systematized isn't creativity. It's ultimately comes down to, if I'm going to boil the whole thing down, it comes down to how do you quickly build a human emotional connection with your viewer very quickly online? And that's the thing that gets you more watch time. That's the thing that makes people more likely to subscribe, to talk about you, to come back and watch more content. It's because it feels something. And that's why story, I mean, you know this better than I do. That's why story is so powerful because it's one of those tools you have. That if you tell a story well, you can quickly form a human connection with someone that then spills over to the other metrics that you're looking at in your YouTube channel. So um, I... Yeah. So when I think about like systematizing YouTube growth, that's kind of what it comes down to in a nutshell. Now there are other YouTube specific things that you've got to account for and integrate into that as well, but you can overcome a lot of that just by making a really good connection with someone. Now I will say you've, uh, you've, you've put out a lot of content and I've heard you talk a lot of, uh, a lot of different times about primal branding with, uh, yeah, that's with one, Patrick of the tools as well. one of the, yeah. uh, so, you know, just the idea of how you're, how you're creating a brand, a community, a movement, that kind of a thing. I've also heard you talk a lot about story in just mm-hmm. in general. What I was really interested to hear, I mean, clearly you and your team have been upping the ante on your research talking about, I mean, I, I heard the, the conversation that you had with Mike Stelzner and you were talking about science story uh, uh, according to science and brain chemicals from other people who are smarter than me yeah (laughs) well i mean and that's and 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 it's it's one of those things where i mean you can you can tell a story and you can know how you feel when you hear a great story but then when you back it up and say yeah it increases your dopamine it boosts Mm. hits of endorphins it Mm-hmm. cranks up your oxytocin and your PEA, all these chemicals floating around in your head and in yeah. your bloodstream. That's, you know, that it, it's just yet another confirmation of how powerful this stuff is. Yeah. Now, the thing that I'm, the thing that I've been scratching my head about for a long time is, especially when it comes to YouTube, people talk about, we want to get more views, we want to get more subscribers. The thing that I, and I will say, as of this recording right now, I am not, my thoughts on this are not fully formed. And I would love to hear what you think. Ooh. There is a. I got a sponge. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Just, okay. just like the, right. just like the soil in your backyard, dude. It's all That's spongy. Right. <laughs> Hopefully less manure involved. <laughs> Jeff's brain is dirt. So, <laughs> so what happens? There's an article that I saw in psychology today that talks about emotion and memory 
We must either get information repeatedly or strongly. This article says one of the hallmarks of memories that last is a close association with emotion. And I would be willing to say that some of the most powerful stories are very highly tied to emotion. So much of that depends on the receiver, the person receiving that story and the place where they are at that time. So you might have the same story that just lands like an atom bomb for person A and yeah, it hardly exactly, makes yeah. a dent with person B. Right. How do we approach the idea of the story that lands and blows the heart and mind of one person and other people don't get it? Are yeah. we going to say that if you get a if you get a piece on YouTube where you're looking at comments where people are saying this left me in tears I'm getting chills this is incredible but it doesn't that it doesn't get the view count as yeah. uh, as high as other things how do we approach that yeah i love it <clears throat> this is fun so i uh, i don't think any of this is going to be a surprise to you um because you already answered the question that depends on who the audience is. Mm -hmm. The mistake a lot of creators make is they haven't defined who their stories are for. They, they assume they do, or, or they tell stories that are like, they, they focus on telling a good story. They don't focus on telling a good story for a specific recipient. So, well, we do have video creators, like the, the very first place we start, no matter when we start working, we always have the first clearly defined, okay, you want more views, you want more subscribers, you want to grow your channel, like who are we going after here? Like who's your most ideal viewer and subscriber? And they usually go to like someone between 18 and 65 years old, male, US, UK, Canada, Australia, you know, like, no, 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 not demographic information. I'm talking about like, what's their story? So you said exactly right, Jeff, is like, we have to know uh, who is this content for? What is their story? Not just their demographic info. So that when we craft our story, it's designed to hit like an atom bomb for that person. And then it takes some time, but as that, yeah, an atom bomb feels really violent, but on one person, <laughs> you know, and then, and then the next video is not going to be 5 million. The next one's going to be like that person plus one more person. And it's more of like a compounding effect over time than it is like, like an instant, like, oh, now I did this one little hack and now my YouTube channel is growing, right? It's, it's more of a, I'm making this person feel something. The next time is like, I'm making another one of those people feel something. Now I'm making two of them feel something. Maybe four more videos go by. Now you're making four people feel something. And it's the compound growth effect that builds unstoppable momentum in growth eventually. Most people just give up too soon because they think that what should be happening is this should be like a hockey stick, growth, not like I'm building a brand where I have like, not just a million people following me, but like the most dedicated, passionate, loyal, potential customers ever. Mm -hmm. Right. So we're talking, we're, we're doing like stock market here, not gambling, if that makes sense. Different, yeah. You get different the game. Like we're thinking long-term here. Uh, this isn't like a switch that you flip, like, oh, here's the magic secret sauce. Here's mm -hmm. the magic button I've been looking for, for YouTube. Um, it's that plus a bunch of th other things. I mean, it's not, I mean, you got to think titles and thumbnails, obviously, because it doesn't sure. matter how amazing the story is if no one clicks on it in the first place. So, I mean, there's a lot of other things to consider too, but 
Um, but we're talking about compound, compounding growth over time. So we've seen the people who stick with it, uh, it, it grow. The other principle, the other thing that goes along with that is I have, this is my own personal, and you know this, Jeff, like storytelling is hard and you're <laughs> not going to, I've been working on this for years and I still don't really think like, I know how to talk about it and I understand how it works and I can teach other people how it works. But when I, when it comes to me telling a good story, it is hard. So it's not like we told a story now, why doesn't it grow? It's like, you got to tell a story, but you, that's a skill you've got to craft over time. Mm. And so not only does it take time for it to engage and keep and build that momentum on YouTube once you have the skill, but there's also the skill that the time that goes into developing that skill that becomes your unfair advantage against all of your other competitors, but it's not a switch. I'm just going to say for the record, pulling straight out of uh, of modern psychology research, there is a uh, there's a phenomenon called the Dunning Kruger effect. Yeah, which you know, people. If you ever hear someone say, "How hard could it be?" You know, these people are at the very yeah. beginning of the Dunning Kruger yeah. effect. They have no clue how much they don't know about what they don't know. Exactly. So the flip side to that is the people who are the least dogmatic about their skills and saying that they know it all. They, they've been in the game long enough to know that they don't know all that there is to know. Sure, and yeah. so it's those people who are actually the most accomplished in that given area. This is research, dude. So I'm, I'm throwing psychological research back at you to say, I really think you're not giving yourself as much credit as you deserve. So okay. just for what it's worth. You're right. I, I think I know a lot, but my execution, and maybe it's because the more I know, the more I realize like, oh, I could have done that better. I could have done that mm -hmm. part better, you know? Um, but to come back to the original question, it's like, we have to know our audience's story on that same type of level. It's not like a demographic thing. And then you can more predictably hit that atom bomb going over and over and over again. Like here at Video Creators, we just we just um, narrow in our audience. We had like three target audiences and we're like, nope, just we just got to have one. And we're like, look at who are our best clients and who do, where do we do our best work and who do we enjoy working with the most and those types of things and be like, okay, this is, I mean, we, we wrote up the person's story. It's like a page and a half story of them. It's not like demographic info. And as I read it to my team for the first time, they're all like, that is absolutely everyone I love working with the most. That is. And so it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that we end up attracting that person by telling stories that engage that person. So where the atom bomb does not hit, we're kind of like, oh, then you must not be this person we're going after. Be on your way, work with someone else who is actually trying, who does their best work with you. So we're not trying to reach, our goal is not to grow the largest amount of viewership. Our goal is not to be in front of a thousand people. Our goal is to be in front of 10 of the right people. And that's a much better place for us to be for our goals than it is to be and just try to go for massive, you know, broad appeal type of stuff, which might get more views, but doesn't ultimately help us serve people the way that we want to serve them. So here's a question. Even if a, a piece gets fewer views, as long as they are landing with the right people, then that video could be deemed a success. Is that what Absolutely. you're saying? It, but you have to define what success is. For us, success is not getting as many views as possible on a video or on a podcast episode or, or email open rates or anything. 
the the success for us is are we reaching the right person? And the way we measure that then is by um, response typically, or it's like, are they like, or did they sign up and want to work with us? You know, and are we attracting the right person who's like, yes, those are the only, that is, we, we try to, we, uh, uh, we try to make people feel stupid is what we say in our, which sounds bad, for our? Us, but we, <laughs> we, we try, we try to make our audience not feel stupid. We try to make them feel stupid saying no, like this is ah. just so obvious that if I said no to this, this would be stupid of me. Like, like I would be an idiot not to work with them because it is so obviously abundantly clear that this is the right thing for me and what I need. Those are the types of people we're going after. And there's not a whole lot of them in the world, honestly, compared to some of the other businesses and industries and even YouTube channels that are out there. If we wanted mass appeal, we go after, you know, how to upload a custom thumbnail to YouTube and where's the record button on your camera. But our, our person already has about 150,000 subscribers. They're already making six figures and they're trying to get to seven figures, both in their channel and in their business. So that's, that's a very, very short version of it. But that person has very different needs and desires and challenges than someone who's like, I want to be a famous influencer. So we focus on, on those people. Know your audience. Well, and yeah. for the record, Not rocket science, you know this, yeah. <laughs> but well, I mean, but, but the thing is some of the most incredibly powerful ideas are the simplest ones. And in our modern uh, fixation on the latest shiny object, it's easy to lose sight of those. YouTube's algorithm is designed to respond to how viewers respond to your content. So there's no real long lasting hacks. It's ultimately like, how do people react to your content? And if they act really favorably and positively to it, um, YouTube surfaces that content to more of those types of people, not just like general people, but they have a profile for each viewer and they can match like, oh, so this type of pro person really engages with this content. Here's three more people who share a similar profile. Let's put this content in front of them. But like, that's why every single person's homepage is different. Like billions of people come to YouTube and everyone's homepage is different because they each have a different profile. So it's, it's a viewer centric system not like an algorithm centric system. So instead of trying to hack the algorithm, we're just like, well, let's just work in cooperation with it. How do we get really positive signals from our content so that YouTube services it to the right people? And we get in front of the people who would actually grow our business or the right people who would actually um, like help us get better brand deals or like whatever, whatever the goal is. So the success, you have to define what a win is first. You have to define what success is, and then you can do a better job at measuring, are we hitting, hitting that or not? And views may or may not be a part of that equation, depending on what success is. I will say it's really easy for creators these days to get sucked into the whole idea of you have to keep creating and creating and creating and putting out so much content. And you get on that on the proverbial hamster wheel. You've long moved past that point yourself and you're helping, you're working with people who are along that path of getting those, you know, building out a team, getting systems in place, getting processes in place, and uh, really expanding the scope of what they're doing. So for the people who are not there yet, and they're still thinking, oh, well, I'm supposed to just put content up and I'll immediately get successful. People can realize pretty quickly that once that, that if your goal is to make money, 
or to, you know, if your goal is to make money, YouTube AdSense is going to be just a tiny, tiny little fraction of what that is. How do you help creators to say, hey, here, here's the way to start thinking about creating value beyond just creating content? So when we're doing a one-on-one consultation or working with a client for the first time, um, the very first question we ask, and before we get the target audience, I guess I you misspoke there, but the very first thing we want to dig into is like, what are you trying to accomplish here with this channel? What's your, what's your goal? What would be a win? And it, they usually say kind of what you said, I either want to make I want more views, more subscribers or, or more money. And I get that, but, but, but there's always something deeper. Like that's not the actual goal. That's like, like I like Seth Godin, his analogy is people aren't buying a drill bit. They're buying the hole. Yes. That is making right. You're right. And so I want to know, and they're not even buying the hole. They're buying like the ability to hang a picture and they're not even buying. Yeah. They're not even buying the picture. They're buying the feeling when they, so I, I, it's really important that we, okay. I'm just going to jump in right there because that is some next level stuff, folks. If you haven't actually, if you haven't actually, you just need to hit rewind on that and just listen to it again, because that is the foundation of persuasion and marketing that has been place has been in place for centuries, even thousands of years. Sorry, I totally interrupted you, but that's no, no, really that's such fine. a big deal. It's I mean, you're go, you just dropped eight levels down into the sub basement. That was an out of box for you, and everyone else is going like, what, 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 what is that? Yeah. Or I think I've heard you know that though. I've heard I've, you, I think uh, I've heard you use that analogy. Hundred percent too. Hundred so percent. It's yeah, just from Seth Godin. That's uh just and it's not just getting the result it's the feeling of the result yes so i want to know um what is it what is the so i'll ask something like um all right so if you got more views or more subscribers or money what would that do for you Mm -hmm. uh you know and and then they and then force them to think a little bit more and i'll just kind of keep following that rabbit trail poking a little bit more what would that what would that do for you why do you want that or and then i'll eventually get to like Sometimes it gets to like, there's a really deep like place where I'm now doing therapy or something, you know, <laughs> with someone, I try to back off before we get the, into that space, but sometimes not like sometimes there has been times, uh, several times where people get into it and our whole session turns into like that. And at the end they're like, oh my gosh, I need to close down my YouTube channel. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> you know, like it was like the opposite of what they came into for. Um, so we, we are not certified trained therapists by any means. It's just like, let's just ask some good questions and listen mm-hmm. to what the responses are. Yeah. So I want to know like, what job is this intended to do for you? And when I figure that out, then it's like, sometimes like, oh, you came here wanting more business subscribers. What you really wanted is your mom's about to go into a nursing home and you can't afford to do that. You try to have in your, your house, but that's not going well either. And so like you ultimately just need a quick infusion of cash so that you can take care of your mom better. That's ultimately like, that's the pressing need of why you're here. And if that's the case, like that's a very different solution then like, okay, let's talk about how to grow your views and subscribers long-term, right? And I would have totally missed that and just given them generic information that really wasn't exactly what they needed for their situation. Right. If we hadn't dove further into what do you need? What are you trying to accomplish? Because if they need a quick infusion of cash and that's like, okay, you already have 20,000 subscribers. What can we do here that would give you that quick infusion of cash so you can take care of your mom? That's that's a very different strategy, very different discussion than than growing a growing a channel at that point. So, but you miss that if you just, like I said, just kind of assume that it's views and subscribers and 
money. Circling back to what you've talked about earlier, talking about your mission, talk to us a little bit about the, the, the importance of having a mission and a vision behind what you're doing. Because the YouTube channel, putting content out into the world is never just about putting content out into the world. There's a reason behind it. I mean, Simon Sinek wrote an entire book about it. You know, we'll start with why. Yeah, start with why. Yeah. How, how do you help people get down to oh, what am I yeah. really doing here? Yeah, that's where the perceive, that's where the, I was going back to what I was saying earlier about um, authentic relationships. That's how that comes out. And it's, it's usually where people feel safe being vulnerable with you and people feel like you get them, you understand them and you get them to the, they get to a place where they're like, I think I can share this here. I'm not going to be laughed at or judged or something. Mm. And and sometimes people have thought about it before, but usually when you start thinking about your purpose and your why, you get to a pretty vulnerable place. And if you haven't thought about it before, it feels intimidating. It feels risky. It feels like really big, like bigger than life. And then you have like, well, who am I to have that as my mission? You know, I've a lot of a lot of emotional things. So that's why like being a creator is not just about making videos. No. There is a whole lot more to this than that. But um, and so yeah, we work with them through a process in mostly in the context of relationship. We can't, we have done it in, in like a quick one hour session. Um, and sometimes if the person's like willing to go there, we, we can figure that out in like sometimes like 15 minutes or so. But um, usually that's more of a, like, like a journey of like, why are you doing this? What do you want to get out of this? And, and um, yeah, that's not usually one hour consultation type of thing, but certainly like in our longer term client relationships, that stuff comes out and then they're like, Oh my gosh, how do I keep working with you guys? This is way more than I thought I was going to get. And we're like, yep, we know. We just don't know how to put this other stuff on a sales page for you that you would buy. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> we just try to pleasantly surprise you with it later instead. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's, it's deep waters for sure. It's uh, when you figure out why we're here and why we're doing this and what effect we want to have on the world. That there, there's, some pretty, there's some pretty heavy stuff that can come up personally, especially internal roadblocks. Definitely. Yeah, for me, I, I was, I was, when I got married, I was making $14,600 a year as a youth pastor, you know, yeah. and who was I to make more than 30,000 a year? You know, well, we are far beyond that now, thankfully, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but that's like the mentality I had. And I remember that very clearly and very well, but I had to work through a lot of personal beliefs that I had and some I grew up with, some I just kind of developed on my own and need to. And for me, that's my, not everyone's story is different. Right. But for me, it was like, I gotta, uh, I can't charge people for this information that I have. Like, I, like, I just want to help people. I just want them to use it and go change more lives. And, but then I learned like if I gave it away for free or if I only charge people a little bit amount of money, they wouldn't actually do it. They would just kind of like have the conversation, see if I had some good ideas or not. And then at the end of it, they're like, yeah, we work with Tim, but we didn't really, you know, it didn't really work for us. I'm like, well, you didn't do anything I said, right? <laughs> you just kind of came to see if I had some good ideas or not. So I've, I learned that, oh, I had to charge people in order for them to come take notes, listen to everything I say. And it has to be a painful 
experience for them cost-wise for them to actually go implement it and then get the results that they want. And then they're like, that was the best thousand dollars I ever spent, you know, like, <laughs> and then they tell their friends, like, it's absolutely worth it because they, they'll make, you know, a hundred thousand back from that investment. But up front, it just feels like, it's like, uh, I don't know. So I get it. Um, but I, for me, psychologically, I had to, I had to be like, no, an hour of my time is worth a thousand dollars. Not only because if you do it, I know what'll, what benefit it'll have to you, mm. but also you need to pay that in order to take it seriously and get the results that you want. So that well, was hard. That was a hard one for me to overcome. Dude, always good spending time with you. Thank you for your insight. Appreciate it. Uh, if people want to learn more about you and what your team does and how you can help them, uh, where should they go? Yeah, we have a weekly podcast. You can just search Apple Podcasts or wherever your favorite podcast thing, just search for uh, video creators. And uh, we have a weekly podcast where we just talk, me and my team talk about like the more advanced tips and tricks and strategies for how do we grow a YouTube channel and grow our business around that audience and ultimately change more lives. So that's what we do over there. Love to have you join our podience if you'd like. Awesome. Thank you, man. Thank you. That is our conversation today with Tim Schmoyer, such a genuine guy with a mission for helping people spread their message. And that is what we're all about here at Story Greenlight, to help you create those human connections with your audience and create the impact that you were put here to make. If you like these kind of ideas and want help applying them specifically to your content, then you should join our private community called The Green Room. It's all about leveling up your content, leveling up yourself, and getting things done with the support of an active community of creators like you. Try out a month for free right now at storygreenlight.com slash greenroomfree. That's storygreenlight.com slash greenroomfree.